Welcome to the Faith in Maine podcast. I'm Katie Clark, your host. We are sharing stories of life and faith and ministry across our 58 churches, 18 summer chapels, Camp Bishopswood, three Jubilee centers, and ministries that make up the Episcopal Diocese of Maine. In this episode of the Faith in Maine podcast, we focus on the third practice of the way of love, which is to pray, meaning dwelling intentionally with God each day. We talk with Bishop Brown about how prayer has impacted his life, what are different and favorite ways to pray, simple changes that we can make to be more present with God throughout the day, and how those who are new to prayer can approach this practice without apprehension or fear. We also share some favorite prayers in this podcast. We hope you enjoy. In this podcast, we continue to explore the practices of the way of love, these practices to develop and cultivate a Jesus-centered life. Today, our discussion brings us to the practice of prayer. The way of love defines prayer as dwelling intentionally with God each day. So Bishop, when do you feel closest to God during your day and your week? There are really two moments in any day when I have a particular deep sense of intimacy with God. And the first is uh, in those first moments of waking up. Sometimes uh, my eyes are not yet open and I still have, um, I feel this deep sense of connection to the divine. And the second time is just before I go to sleep. Those are, I think I'm probably not unique um, in that uh, experience of early morning, sort of pre-waking up and very end of the day, just before falling asleep, a sense of deep connection to God. And in terms of the week, I, I don't know that I have a time during the week when I feel close to God, especially close to God. Sometimes that can happen during worship on Sunday mornings, but sometimes it can also just as easily happen over a telephone conversation with a friend. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not aware of a time during the week as much as I am that daily time of waking up and going to sleep. There are many different ways to pray. What is your favorite way to pray? I think there are two ways that I find uh, when you use the word, you ask me about a favorite way to pray. And my two favorites are liturgical prayer, common prayer, corporate prayer, uh, the thing that we do when we gather with other people to give praise and glory to God in, in corporate worship, as we, as we call it. There's something for me about that experience and that rhythm that is especially moving. I very often have a sense during a worship service of the spirit of God being very close to me. Sometimes I've been, well, very often I've been moved to tears or I've had a physical sensation of goosebumps or of a warm sensation in my chest whenever, um, often uh, during a big worship service, and sometimes in a very small, quiet worship service, uh, it tends to be in those, those ends of a very quiet, maybe even tiny, uh, just a few people in a beautiful space, maybe with a candle lit, 
And then on the other end, a festive worship service like Easter Day or at some big ordination with the music and timpani and brass. So that's one way. And then the second way, and I've said this in previous podcasts, for me, the practice of uh, saying morning prayer every day and often evening prayer, though I'm not as disciplined about um, saying evening prayer as I am morning prayer, is certainly a favorite. Uh, it's just an it's just an old shoe, you know. It's just what I do, and it's automatic, and it's always available, and I can do it anywhere, and it doesn't take very long, and it's immediately rooting. It roots me. So I know we're talking a lot about logistics, type, and timing, but we're going to touch on one more. Because this month in our Episcopal Main social media channels, we're asking folks to share the spaces in mm. which they pray. Mm -hmm. So what is your favorite physical space in which to pray? So think about your favorite, but also think about potentially the most unusual or unique place that you have offered up prayer. <laughs> That's a great question. My favorite place is to pray alongside really any body of water. I find uh, being able to look at uh, whether it's a pond or a lake or a stream or a river or the ocean, any body of water feels to me like a uh, place where my prayer, my conversation with, my capacity to listen, both of those things seem amplified. They seem to be larger. My sense of intimacy with God, as well as my willingness to listen to what it is that I hear God saying. A favorite body of water for me is the St. Lawrence Seaway, uh, which is uh, fresh water, and it's the water of the Great Lakes. It's part of the Great Lakes Basin. So I'm sure there's a connection because of my growing up in Michigan, not far from the shores of Lake Superior, and having a great love for Lake Michigan as a college student, which wasn't very far from Kalamazoo. I have a sister who lives on Lake Huron. And while I don't know Lake Erie and Lake Ontario as well, uh, I'm blessed with this summer place right on the St. Lawrence River in a beautiful part of the river uh, that looks out onto the main shipping channel. So it's not necessarily a quiet body of water in the height of summer and in the height of the shipping season, but it is no less, and maybe because of its activity, there is a great attraction to being able to pray along the banks of the St. Lawrence Seaway. Your other question is about this kind of most unusual or unique place that I've prayed. And I remember being at Cedar Point Amusement Park, uh, which actually looks out over Lake Erie. I just said, I don't know Lake Erie, but it's true. I don't know Lake Erie, but my experience of Lake Erie is being uh, probably nine years old and going with my family to this really big am amusement park and being on a roller coaster and absolutely convinced that I was not going to survive and praying my heart out that God would save me. It's funny now in lots of ways I can laugh about it, but in the moment it was a real prayer. There was a real sense of fear 
and of doom actually. And so I remember, I can tell you what color the roller coaster was. I can tell you what I was wearing. I can tell you everything about those probably 10 seconds in which I thought for sure I was going to go meet my maker. Uh, so I would say that that roller coaster in 1980 is probably the most unusual place that I've prayed. That is most certainly unusual and unique. So you hit both of those points right on. Uh, for our listeners, a great thing to look at on Instagram, there's a hashtag and an account called Places You'll Pray. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful account from our Muslim brothers and sisters and siblings mm -hmm. of all of these different, unique and beautiful places where people pray from doctors working in hospitals to beautiful places in national parks and mm. everywhere in between. So I urge our listeners to mm. go and look at hashtag places you'll pray. It's really hashtag beautiful. Places you'll pray. Great. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. So Bishop, share with us a story, if you have one, of how prayer has impacted your life. I think I have to say that the places where I have repeatedly experienced the power of prayer are in hospital settings, either as a young person experiencing the illness and death of a loved one, or as a patient myself, briefly just to have some routine surgery, and certainly as a clergy person or as a companion to a friend who might be hospitalized. There's something about the way in which I experience prayer in hospitals, whether I'm the one praying or whether I'm the one joining someone in prayer, it feels particularly tender. And there is an, I don't know, there's an authenticity or a kind of bare essentials, all the sort of whatever trappings or whatever uh, posturing that we might make, particularly those of us who are professionally religious, they seem either absent or certainly much less in hospital settings. There just seems to be a raw desire to give voice to whatever the human heart and condition and need is. Uh, so that's certainly, a place where prayer has impacted my life at a variety of times. Another place for me where I feel like my life has been a particularly impacted by prayer is at the church camp where I went as a young person. I've told this story to various people in Maine, and I will continue to tell it because it's really important and it's powerful, which was at the end of uh, junior high camp week, I think I was uh, going to be an eighth grader. Uh, it was a Friday night. Uh, we were going home the next day on Saturday, parents coming to collect us. We were probably about a hundred kids and uh, 15 or 20 counselors. We had just spent six days together this is a camp that I'd been going to for three or four years at least, and a camp that has a particular connection to my family. The nurse's cabin is named in memory of my great-grandfather, and my grandparents went to camp there, and my dad went to camp there, and my older siblings did. So it's a particularly special place. But on this Friday night, 
the closing campfire circle was an opportunity to sing all those sappy, now I think them of them as sappy, but part of the reason why they're effective is they get into our heart, those campfire songs. And then at the end, we were invited to ask G Jesus Christ to come into our hearts and be the Lord of our lives. And we got to fill out a little index card with uh, some words on it addressed to Jesus or God. And six months later, the camp sent that index card, presumably to each of us. But I remember the moment when I opened the envelope that was sitting on the kitchen table. So now I'm already halfway through eighth grade year and reading what I had written on that Friday night when I asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life and realizing that there was a truth to that moment, that Friday night, and that as I looked back on the last six months, there wasn't a dramatic change, but I could point to moments and people and thoughts that had really transformed me, changed who I was. So I have to speak about that particular moment uh, at Camp Michigami, uh, those many years ago. And then I think another a story that I would share is the first time I went to an ordination service. I remember having a huge sense of the Holy Spirit filling that place and that sense of power that is hard to describe, but really true when it's felt. So many of us think about prayer and sort of settling in and both offering prayers, but listening for the voice of God to hear that. And there's ample stories in scripture about God speaking through other people. Can you think of a time when you really heard, you felt like you heard God through the words of others? Hmm. Well, my previous reference to the hospital setting is one of those, but, but there's a particular moment that I would talk about, which is in one of the churches I served, I was convicted, persuaded, encouraged, I don't know what the word is, by some lay people to incorporate anointing and healing prayer in the context of the Sunday morning mass. And uh, there were a group of lay people, several of them actually, six or seven, who met together for over a year and trained basically to be worship leaders and prayer givers and leaders so that people in the pews would come up for communion. And then after they received communion, they were invited if they wanted to, to go to one of these stations where there was one or two people uh, prepared to pray with them uh, for whatever need or request that the person made. And then these lay people would give voice to that uh, by speaking to God uh, and then anoint them with oil chrismated that was blessed by the bishop. So this was many years ago, and it was pretty revolutionary uh, to invite lay people into this powerful place. And one time I was not the presider and I hadn't been preaching for whatever reason I was sitting in the pew that Sunday and the assistant rector was leading the worship service and I went up for communion and then I went to the healing station and there were two of my parishioners there and I gave voice to my prayer and then they they prayed with me and they laid their hands on top of my shoulders 
and I, I felt the power coming out of their hands onto my shoulders. And I can remember their words and the, especially the sense that their words were being heard by God. I can't, I can't remember the words in the way that I can remember praying on that roller coaster when I was uh, 10, when I was 10 years old, but I certainly remember the power of their words giving a truth, attesting to what it is that my prayer was. It was very, very powerful. So that's one story. There's probably others, but that's a particularly powerful and important moment that also was a conversion to uh, remind me that very often it's lay people who are given uh, the incredible spiritual gift to pray, sometimes far better and more clearly than those of us who are ordained. What would you say to someone who's just starting out with prayer? They might be new to prayer and they might be concerned about getting it wrong or not doing it right. And mm. that's a barrier for them to, to start praying. What would you say to them? I think the first thing I would say to all of us, and I say this to myself too, I think that we all need reminders and words of encouragement that our entire lives are prayer, that everything we do, if we do it with intention, is a way to connect with God, to connect with the sacred, to connect with that divine person who dwells both within us and beyond us. So the first is a word of truth and a word of encouragement that thinking about getting it wrong or getting it right may be a way actually to uh, delay the beautiful intimacy that God desires to give us every day by simply inviting us to be who we are and to name before the God of all creation what is happening in us and through us and around us right now. So I think that's one thing that I would say. And the other thing I would say to someone who is just starting out with prayer is that sometimes no words are better than words, which is, I think silence is extremely powerful prayer. And to carve out, even if it's just a few minutes of silence, some of us don't have a lot of time to create 20 or 30 minutes of silence. And certainly starting out uh, with some goal to be 30 minutes a day quiet, that probably is not a realistic uh, goal at the outset. But to say, I'm going to start by taking three minutes in the morning to sit in a comfortable place, to close my eyes and to be quiet, to not allow words to come into my head, that, that I think can be a very powerful way to start a life of prayer. Do you have a favorite or especially meaningful prayer that you would like to share with our listeners? Hmm, well, I do actually have several but let me just say that I will share mine if you, um, let me turn that question on you. And I wonder if we might uh, share our prayers together. So I invite you to, to do the same, but I'll start. 
I have talked for several years about a friendship that I developed posthumously with a great preacher of our tradition named Theodore Parker Ferris, who was the rector of Trinity Church in the city of Boston for over 30 years. He died in office in 1972, but not before writing a lot of prayers, over 400 prayers, and not before publishing untold numbers of sermons that are still available. And his way of praying and his way of writing and his way of preaching uh, is deeply resonant to me. And I've been sort of working on a biography of Dr. Ferris. There's a lot of work out in the world by him, but there's almost nothing about him. And uh, someday I might actually finish this work. But one of um, Dr. Ferris has two prayers in our prayer book. And one of them is a particular favorite. And it's a favorite of a lot of people. Uh, but uh, for me, it became a favorite once I found out that it is from Dr. Ferris himself. And it occurs in the prayer book for use by people who are themselves sick. So the title of this part of the prayer book is Prayers for Use by a Sick Person. And it's on page 461. And it goes like this. This is another day, O Lord, and I know not what it will bring forth, but make me ready, Lord, for whatever it may be. If I am to stand up, help me to stand bravely. If I am to sit still, help me to sit quietly. If I am to lie low, help me to do it patiently. And if I am to do nothing, let me do it gallantly. Make these words more than words and give me the spirit of Jesus. Amen. That's a really important prayer for me. And I don't actually need the prayer book to say it because it is a kind of mantra. How about for you? Do you, do you have a prayer that, that is a go-to prayer for you? I, I have a work prayer of all ah. things. I certainly have prayers in the prayer book that I love. There's prayers in, in Every Moment Holy, which I also really love. But there's one that really touches on the work that we do as church communicators mm -hmm. uh, that we often share with each other. And it also speaks to all of us who are on social media platforms hmm. as, as we think about how we uh, work with others in that way, whether it's professionally or personally. So mm -hmm. this is called a prayer for church communicators. It's by Kathy Johnson. Uh, and I'll read this through and say, it's not just for church communicators. It is for everyone as we think about how we communicate out to the world. Mm -hmm. So it begins, Oh God of words, images, and sounds who created the world and sustains it still. Give hearts of compassion to all who work in the ministry of church communications. In our writing, help us be wise. In our posting, help us be kind. In our sharing, help us be thoughtful. In all things, help us remember your call to love you and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Mm. Oh God of words, images, and sounds who created the world and sustains it still, give clarity of vision to all who work in this ministry. In our writing, help us be honest. In our posting, help us be just. 
in our sharing, help us be truthful. In all things, help us remember that you are the way, the truth, and the life. O God of words, images, and sounds, who created the world and sustains it still, we thank you for the work you have given us to do. Help us to use our skills to reach your world with your love. In the name of the risen one, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for asking. So Bishop, you meet with folks all across Maine and have a variety of different conversations. I'm wondering if, if this topic has ever come up, what might stand in people's way in terms of a more active and consistent prayer life? Have you heard any barriers to that in your work? I don't know about barriers. I certainly uh, speak about and hear from others a desire to deepen one's spirituality. It's very often phrased that way. And for me, when someone says that spirituality is part and parcel, um, is really surrounds the life of prayer. So I don't know about a barrier, but one of the things that I sometimes hear from folk is that the matter of prayer, the reality of prayer is constantly before us. It's constantly before people that they feel uh, this ongoing desire or even demand um, in the best sense of that word to pray. So I definitely hear from people a desire to remain open as well, uh, that people are looking and listening and waiting and I think that's a beautiful posture because it prepares us to receive whatever God gives us. And then I think this is really important. I sometimes say we need to not only be open and listening, but we also need to be prepared to obey. And that is sometimes hard for our culture where obeying in this postmodern time is a little suspect, but I think it's an important thing for us to think about. What does it mean to listen and what does it mean to obey? I think of the, the words in uh, the prophet Isaiah, morning by morning, he wakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. Isaiah 50 um, verses four and five, I think. Morning by morning, he wakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. I sometimes hear from people a great desire to learn. And that intersects beautifully, I think, with God's desire to teach. So this business about staying open and being willing to obey is something that I sometimes say when I hear people speak to me about the fact that there is a lot of uh, desire for prayer. And in fact, prayer is constantly before them. I loved what you said earlier about taking this sort of moments throughout the day. And I remember reading uh, Kathy Stout, who's a spiritual director and seminary professor who would say, five minutes of silence a day is the spiritual equivalent of flossing your teeth. So for folks who are listening to this podcast, this is an opportunity here and now to take that pause, mm. to take that silence, to take that listening space that mm. we are in, 
in order to pray. So as we finish our time together today, Bishop, would you pray us out? Mm, I'd be really honored. And I love um, what it is that Professor Stout says that it may be hard to uh, create 20 minutes of silence, but most of us, even the busiest of, of us, can find five minutes and what a big difference it would make. So let's pray. Gracious and loving God, in you we live and move and have our being and we praise you and we thank you for bringing us in safety to this day, for giving us breath, for giving us a deep connection in your son, Jesus Christ, whom you have raised from the dead. We thank you for your church gathered in all kinds of places and giving expression to love and to devotion to the sacramental life and to the contemplative life and to the action-oriented life for all of the ways in which you call us to vocations of prayer and of action. We give you thanks. I ask your blessing upon the church in Maine in particular, that we will be faithful to you and to your word as we find it in scripture and as we find it in our tradition and indeed as you give it to us in your glorious future, which we look forward to and which we promise that we will do our part to join you in creating. So in the power of your love and because of the Holy Spirit, we pray in your loving name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Faith in Maine podcast, brought to you by the Episcopal Diocese of Maine. If you like this podcast, please leave a review and rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That helps us spread God's word even further. Thank you.